Welcome to The Fulfillment Project. I'm your host, Sarah Fennell, international fitness model and former IFBB pro figure athlete turned personal development sponge, entrepreneur, and online marketing junkie. I want to have it all in life, and I am not afraid to admit it. This show is for high-performing, high-vibing humans who are ready to take action, step through their fears, and up-level their life and business. Join me as we take one more step closer to that today. Welcome back to the pod. I'm excited to dive into this episode with you because I'm going to be chit-chatting back and forth here with a guest. Um, I love doing interviews. They they add so much more spark. So I'm not just, you know, talking back and forth with myself here. But I do want to remind you before we get into that, that I have a free webinar coming up on Tuesday, March 12th. And I would love for you to come on and jam with me live for an hour on that Tuesday. And specifically, what I want to help you with is your spring marketing. So if you're a health and fitness professional, and you're looking to perhaps launch an online program, maybe you've thought about online training, or maybe you're just looking to increase your online presence so that you can attract clients from online uh, marketing streams, you're definitely not going to want to miss this. We're going to be going in depth on how to lay out a really solid and effective spring marketing plan so that you can attract the clients in that you want. And, you know, there's specific time windows and certain strategies that I, I teach my students in our programs that I want to go over in this webinar with you. Because one of the biggest things that I see fitness professionals making a mistake with for their online marketing is is that A, they're either not marketing long enough, B, they don't know how to communicate their offer, or C, they're just not using the right languaging to be able to attract in exactly who they want. So we're going to be diving into all that and giving you specifics. So you definitely want to come with your pen and your paper to make lots of notes. I'm going to leave the link here in the show notes, but it is www.ilaunch.vip slash webinar. ilaunch.vip dot VIP slash webinar. Again, that'll be in the show notes here for you. So go sign up, save your spot, and I will see you on March 12th. All right. Welcome back to The Fulfillment Project. I'm really excited today because I have a guest who I know is going to help you in so many ways, personal life and in business. We have Melanie Sadka here with us today. Hi, Melanie. Welcome. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. So we actually met just a few weeks ago at an event downtown Toronto, Archangel. And, you know, Joe and I are always raving about the power of going to live events and the people that you meet because, you know, we wouldn't be talking right now if it wasn't for actually putting yourself out there and meeting people. So I'm so honored to have you on the show on such a, a short notice and just meeting you. Yeah, of course. Likewise. I mean, it was an interesting encounter because it was kind of out of luck where, you know, Giovanni turned to us and said, all right, well, like find some people and have a conversation. And uh, we just locked eyes and yeah, always grateful. You guys are amazing people in just the short amount of time that I've known you. Yeah, thank you so much. I think it's so great. And I think like you and I connected instantly. And I think that's the power of meeting different people. And it's almost like kind of finding a relationship. Some people you jive with and some people you just don't. So I'm so excited to have you. So yes, you are a capacity creator. Please explain to us what exactly <laughs> that is. 
Sure thing. It's a brand and it's really a concept about helping people understand their commitment tendencies and their overindulgent behaviors. There's so many of us that walk around overcommitted, overwhelmed, because never before, Sarah, have we had so many options and so many opportunities thrown at us 24-7. We're just not really good at being selective or discerning in our decision-making process. So this whole mindset was so intriguing that I decided to throw myself into it and really start to study human behavior and talk to people. And it inspired me to come up with some tools and frameworks. Mm, Awesome. So I know we're going to dive into all this and helping the business owners here. And I think, do you find that this is an issue more so with people who actually create their own schedule and have a bit of that, I don't want to say time freedom, but they have the availability to create their own schedules and say yes to many things that, you know, do you find the business owner struggles with this more so than somebody who has an actual job? That's an interesting question. And, you know, if we speak to business owners, they're the boss. And let's face it, that's why most people went into this type of career is because they wanted to manage their own time. They wanted to create their own wealth and create their own capacity. But what happens is that, again, I think there's so many options in running a business. There's so many tools available to us. There's so many things that we need to be doing. And I think what happens is that, let me just explain the business, and you guys are really well-versed in this, but this is how, and I teach, so I'm also a professor, and this is how I teach entrepreneurship. There are three pillars in a business, right? There is operations, there's administration, and there's marketing. And you can't be good at all three. (laughs) So it's really where this comes down to is having your own business is really about understanding what you're really good at and focusing on that and starting to outsource and automate the rest. But that's easier said than done. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, you know, I think entrepreneurs are usually the A-type control freaks, right? So having us to unload, because usually when you start your business, most of the time you're doing everything by yourself and then it's stepping into that leadership role. So before we dive into all this, I would love for you to let us know, you know, who you are and, and how you really got into helping people with this. So a little bit of background is I worked in corporate for 10 years. So I worked for the big food giant General Mills, which was such an amazing career full of trials and tribulations and successes. But I really, I fell into teaching because I loved facilitating information. I loved inspiring people to shift their perspectives. And so I left corporate and went into a full-time professor gig. And at the same time, I was going through my certification to become a coach and just started to really reveal some opportunities in different capacities, if you will. So I was facilitating, I was traveling, I was speaking. And really what happened is that I became overcommitted. I became overwhelmed and really lost control of my schedule. And that's where this nugget of brilliance, if you will, came into play for me in terms of, I need to explore. Other people must be suffering with this. What does this look like? How can I help people? And naturally, I'm a fixer. So I'm still teaching. I'm running this business on, you know, as well and coming up with frameworks and speaking and facilitating. So I'm really, really cautious of my capacity and trying to actually employ my own tools. 
I think that's so neat. And I think most of us who build a coaching business is because we've created a problem in our life, realized how to manage it or fix it. And then we have the tools to be able to help people. So before we hit record, I had said, so creating capacity, that means creating time. And you actually corrected me there. So what exactly does it mean to create capacity in your life? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people will use the verbiage, oh, I have to make time. I have to make time to go to the gym. I have to make time to go and visit, you know, my cousin. I have to we shouldn't be making time for those things. Like there are some very important pieces in our lives that are priority. And creating time is like a chore. Like even when you say, Oh yeah, I have to make time or I should make time, it has such a different tone than shifting that conversation or shifting that mindset to I'm creating capacity to spend time with my cousin. I'm creating capacity to get my ass to the gym so that I can be healthy and that I could avoid illness. Like there's something so different in the way that that's there. And when when you make time, it's like there's this debt or somebody owes you something when you fulfill that obligation to time versus when you create capacity and you create this commitment and you honor it, it's all on you. It's really a very personal accountability versus an expectation of an outcome from somebody else or from this agreement with somebody else. Mm, yes. And there's such a different, yeah, energy and vibration around that. You know, you don't want to feel like you're obligated yeah. to do something when really like those right. are the, our priorities. We make time for groceries. We make time to do errands. We make time to go pay bills, right? Like that's what we make time to do. We don't, we shouldn't be making time for the things that make us happy, that fulfill our souls and our dreams. Like it's, that's really the big difference. And I think when people start to just use the language and then use that mindset, it's when things can start to change for the better. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we've all noticed over the past you know, 10, 20 years that capacity in our life is feeling so restricted. So what do you feel is contributing to this busyness or overcommitment of life right now? There's a lot that we can unpack in that question. And I, you know, really what happens is, and I've come up with a framework to help people do that. And it's a five layer framework. Yeah. Is this your ego case? (laughs) I saw your podcast about that. Please, please, let's dive into that. Okay. Okay, good. You know, I was trying to think of the best way to help people really, really unpack and and deconstruct their commitment patterns. And uh, Ego Cake is the name of the framework. And I know that your your listeners are all about health and, you know, thinking cake. Well, I'll quickly give you the back story on that. So our lives are like this decadent dessert table, right? Filled with like mouth-watering desserts and cakes. And my mom is the one who actually had this conversation with me. And she said, Mel, like, look at your life. It's like this dessert table. And I said, yeah, it's pretty cool. And she said, yeah, you've taken a bite out of every single one of those desserts. And I'm like, yeah, I have. They're awesome. And then she looked at me and she's like, well, which one have you enjoyed the most? Mm. And I was like, I can't answer that. I don't know. Because I'm so busy trying to do everything, be everything to everybody. I can't tell you which one. So that was the start of a new module for me, a new framework for me. So I called it Ego Cake. That's where that comes from. So let's dive in. So there's five layers of this cake and you have to start at the bottom. And really the bottom layer is about options, opportunities, obligations, 
right? We are, again, like I had mentioned before, we're inundated with all of these options, opportunities constantly. So it's like, how do we pick? How do we select, right? How do we avoid FOMO? How do we avoid the regret of the decision? So that's one of the first layers that I take people through some exercises to really deconstruct that. Second layer, you ready for this one? Because this affects us all, distraction. Mm, That's a big one. So Sarah, how many times do you think you touch your phone on a daily basis? Like touch, swipe, tap, you name it. What, What do you think that number is? This is interesting because Apple, when I did an update, actually has this feature on my phone. And most days, it's 85 to 90 times a day I pick up my phone. It's insane. Right. I love that app, by the way, too. But that's picking up the phone, right? Ah. That's not tapping, swiping, or touching. So (laughs) let's time that by like five. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Are you ready for this? So a study out of, I believe it was the University of California, Irvine, came up with this study. And they said that the average person will touch, swipe, tap their phone 2,417 times a day. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. It's crazy. Yes. And then another crazy stat too is that, you know, again, the distraction piece, 33% of us actually get up in the middle of the night and check our phone, which completely disrupts sleep, which completely disrupts the sleep cycle that you're in. So you can bank on your day being shot or really poorly affected the next day. Mm, that's interesting. We actually had to have a, for Joe's kids, a ban on no devices in the bedroom. Cause the one day his daughter, I asked her, I'm like, oh, I just had to sleep last night. She goes, Oh good. She goes, I got up a couple of times to see if I had any YouTube notifications. And I'm, She's nine. Oh. She's nine. And we were like, yeah. okay, oh <laughs> no iPad in the bedroom. <laughs> And it's becoming a really scary phenomenon too. Like all the social media players, like it's a race to the top, right? Who can get the most likes, who can get the most shares, who gets the most views, all of that. That's what really determines the winner in this space. And the scariest part, you know, if you mention the nine-year-old in this situation is that um, Snapchat. Snapchat Mm. is that I don't use it. My kids do once in a while just to fool around on the phone. But Snapchat actually has this rewards feature. So the more consistent you are with posts, the more rewards you actually get. So what's happening is that kids are actually giving their phones to friends when they're not allowed to bring their phones to certain places. So that streak continues and it's not broken. So they're giving phones and passwords away like to their friends so that they can continue to post on their behalf when they're not able to. And I have a problem with that. Yeah. <laughs> I have a big problem with that. Oh my goodness. We're teaching these young kids like such a young, like this bad behavior. So about this distraction yes. piece, I believe that we're in a time of binge content. You look at Netflix, <sighs> you look at YouTube, you yes. look at like Instagram stories. You know, do you believe that all these streams are, are tying massively into this distraction phase? I think so. Yes. And and it's our mindset. It's all back to mindset, right? How many times do we go to work and put in, like we're all in, we show up, you know, especially as business owners, like we are really tied to that business 24 seven, but there's a mindset that goes with this too, for a lot of people, which could be troubling is that, all right, I just put in a solid like 12 hours or, you know, a couple of days of like head down. Now I'm going to binge for four to six hours on Netflix. And, you know, it's not to say that we shouldn't take that downtime, but with being inundated with all these different options to consume different types of media, I find it's a bit of a slippery slope. 
yeah. you know, and everybody has their own balance, but like with the consumption options, I feel like, you know, we haven't really hit that balance yet in terms of understanding how much consumption is good enough, how much consumption is too much. So there's still some work to be done in studying that. Mm-hmm. So do you have any advice or tips on how people can monitor their consumption level? I mean, everybody is so different. Everybody has so many things going on in their lives. And it all comes down to capacity. And really, are you honoring the capacity that you set for yourself? Are you honoring the capacity creation for the things that are most important to you? When you go to sit down and binge on Netflix, is that replacing potentially something else you could be doing that might be a little bit better for your mind, better for your soul? Like, Do you have family members you can connect with? Always asking those questions. I know that we have a TV in our living room and I absolutely hate it. And I think we're actually going to take it down because it's in the middle of the living room. Like, It's like this thing that we place our sofas around that takes the place of another human being. Like, We should be putting sofas around people. Like we should be in a, you know, really back to like tribal in terms of like circle, just so that we can actually have communication and great conversation. So advice, no, I think it's super individual, but I think we should be asking ourselves some more questions in terms of, is this really feeding my soul? Is it really honoring the capacity I've created for the top three or four roles in my life? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. So back to the ego cake, what would be our third layer be? Yeah. Oh, resignment. So it's a perfect, thank you for the the segue, because uh, once we start to realize how much we are consuming in terms of social media, in terms of all of the other channels that might not be as life fulfilling, what is it that we can actually resign from in order to create capacity for the things that we love to do that we always say, I just didn't have the time. You know, I just don't have the time or I should make the time. When you're saying that, it's time to find the capacity to actually do those things that you love. And so resigning from potentially the binging of Netflix, the excessive checking of the phones. There's so many studies out there too that talk about checking the phones. You know, we are addicted to the notifications. We're addicted to the sensation, chemical reaction, of having a notification of a message on our phones. So really, there's a lot of studies that say if you can do 45 minutes of work without actually checking your phone, without engaging any type of social media, without email checking, and just focus on the task, focus on the project, focus on what's in front of you, and give yourself these little rewards of going to check your phone for 5-10 minutes. There's a lot of studies coming out saying that that's really effective. Easier said than done. But we can also talk about how distractions lowering our IQ. Oh, interesting. Yeah, there's another study that's just come out saying that with all of the distractions that we have and multitasking or task switching, you know, a lot of people are like, I'm so good at multitasking. Like I can be on this call with you and we could be recording and I'm actually tweeting some stuff out right now and then I'm writing some notes down. Like I can do it. No, you can't. Our brains are not programmed that way. Every time we actually do that, we lower our IQ by 15 points. That was published in this UK study. It's crazy that that's happening. And it's also lowering our EQ. And we're just not realizing it. We're just addicted to getting so much done so quickly, automation, efficiency, but we're forgetting the focus. So resigning from some of those behaviors and habits is key. And that's the third layer for ego cake. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I've even found for myself with theming my days, you know, not just necessarily multitasking, but in a day, in a day, what am I doing? Like Mondays, I don't book any like coaching calls. It's kind of a random day of checking emails and content creation and, you know, some stuff like that. And on my coaching days, you know, I'm not doing any content creation. So I'm not jumping from one task to another and having to kind of switch my, my mind frame. And I found that's helped with stress. It's helped with efficiency and it's just helped me overall. So I love that you mentioned that with multitasking. Yeah. Yeah. I love the theme days too. It helps you understand what's coming up too. So it reduces anxiety because all that distraction and all the addiction to notification, it produces anxiety and you would know this too, produces cortisol. And so it actually breaks down our body over time. Like it, it, it's breaking down our body over time. And I, I don't think we've realized the effects of this yet. And I'd lo- I'm excited, but not excited to see what this looks like in 10 years from now. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I did a podcast a few episodes ago about stress and anxiety. And even last summer, I started having like full-blown anxiety attacks. And I've, I'm a naturally a bit of a high anxious, high energy person. And I've had to be careful on yes. how many unread emails are in my inbox. How cluttered is my desktop on my computer? How many tabs do I have open in a browser? Because all those tabs yeah. open are tabs open in your mind of the 50 things that you're trying to think about. And no yes. wonder when you need to sit down and actually work, you can't even concentrate or focus. It's crazy. It does. And we, we, yeah, we're not necessarily cognizant of those triggers either. Like We've almost trained ourselves to think that that's just the normal way of operating. But within those ways, there's these built-in issues that we need to deconstruct and really take a look at what it is that it's causing. Mm-hmm. So let's lead into the next layer of the cake. Sure. So the fourth layer is awareness. And once you start to resign from some of these habits or st- start to resign from the things that are no longer serving you, the things that are just, you know, you can automate or you can delegate, you know, this is giving you new space, new awareness to see what it is that you can actually create capacity for that you love, that you've missed, that you want to do more of. It's a great layer because it allows you to just to breathe easier. It allows you to just really embrace the space now that you've created. And I know this sounds like airy-fairy, but honestly, the resignation layer, that third layer is so huge. And it's where I spend a lot of times with my clients. It's where in my speaking sessions, people actually write down the resignation. And we get to that fourth level. The energy and the air in the room just shifts completely because people have just given themselves permission to just be more aware of what's available, what they can be doing that brings them more joy. Mm-hmm. Earlier in the talk, we were talking about outsourcing and, and leveraging other people to help you. Do you have any tips on where people should start to do that in their business? Um, Because I think, like I said, we're all type A, we can do it all. You know, what are some signs or some tips that you can give to people on on when they should really start? Because I think obviously we're like, well, I can do it. Why would I spend the money? And then, you know, I can quote unquote, make the time. So what would you suggest to people and and when should they start doing that? Yeah, it's interesting because you know, in early startups, unless you are really financially set and you have, you know, you have the money, you have to bootstrap. So you do have to do a lot of things in the beginning. You also have to get a sense of what it is that you are good at and what you're not good at. And marketing is one thing that we think we're good at and we can take courses, but marketing is such a specialty 
people go to school. People spend a lot of time studying marketing techniques. I worked in marketing when I worked for General Mills. So this was a thing I had to get over myself because I was like, I know marketing. Like, I don't need to outsource. I know exactly what I'm doing. Why? And my husband's like, why would you pay? He doesn't know what marketing is all about. But it was like, I don't know what I'm doing. It's not effective. I can't manage all these social media accounts. I wasn't taking the time. I didn't have the time to come up with like an overall strategy and then execution. It takes a lot of effort. It takes, so marketing would be one area that I would suggest people get a little help with. Here's something I found after the Archangel. Sarah, I don't know if you guys were familiar with it, but Get Leveraged was no. a company I had no idea about. And I just signed up with them. Blew me away. Blew me away because I've now signed up with them. There's a monthly fee and they can do anything for you. Anything. Mm -hmm. They can write articles. They can schedule podcasts. They can do your social media campaigns. They can ghost write for you. They can interview you and then create an article from that interview. Like there's so much that they can do. And that's where I needed the most help was like creating more awareness, creating more marketing, more strategic campaigns. So Get Leveraged has really impressed me so far. Mm, yes. I think one of the founders was in the group as well, right? And Giovanni mentioned, or pointed him out. Okay. Yes, I do remember. Yes. Um, that just triggered me to go back because Joe and I are on a massive like content binge for our audiences. So I might look into them to help me yes. out. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're fantastic. So I would say that one because here's what happens is that we get so swallowed up in the administrative stuff in terms of invoicing or policy creation or sales, like where we forget why we went into business in the first place and we're not doing the actual thing that we love and that we're good at. And it's a shame because then the world doesn't get to experience your gift, they get to experience you at like a super crazy, overcommitted, overwhelmed individual. And that's not what people want to sign up for. No, so no, stop no. doing everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's easier said than done. <laughs> but as soon as you I know, start... I know, but like baby steps. Yeah. 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 As soon we, as you start to trust... Yeah. We started outsourcing a lot last year. And even for this podcast, I'm a big techie geek. So I'm like, I can do it all. And I, I enjoy doing it. But I realized I was actually sabotaging myself by not recording episodes because I knew the workload that was going to have to be afterwards. So I was aware enough to realize that. Oh. I, was like, I was like, okay, done. Outsourced. <laughs> so after, awesome. after awareness, where does that lead to? So the final layer of the cake is commitment. And so this is where now we have created the space. We've created the awareness to start to commit to the things that we really love to do. And again, there's exercises within this that I work on with teams and within the podcast, there's a little bit more on that. But it's really understanding what is it now that I have created the capacity to commit to? What freedom do I now have to do more of what I love and more of what I'm good at? Right? You went into business, you know, your listeners and you and I, we went into business because we loved doing something and we had a gift. So that's what we need to continue to hone. That's what we need to continue to do. But we get lost in all the minutiae. We get lost in all those shiny things that potentially could accelerate the business, that could, all these false promises really. So by going through these layers, you start to understand what is it that's really distracting me? What is it that I need to get rid of and resign from? What have I created awareness for? What is it now that I can commit to, to doing more of? So it's something you can revisit. It's something you can go back to. It's something that you can just really remind yourself of. It's very easy. 
Mm. Do you feel that there is a guilt component or even an addictive component to being busy and overcommitting? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. For sure there is. How many times do you talk to somebody and say, hey, how's it going? What's the first thing people usually say? Great. Good. Things are good. Yeah, things are good. And then you get into it a little bit more and then people are like, yeah, things are really busy. <laughs> because we've associated busy with successful. We've associated busy with moving along in life as we should be. If we're not busy, it's almost like society has created this stigma that why aren't you busy? There's so much to do out there. There's so many things to go and be and do and take advantage of. Like you should be busy. So it's funny that it's become almost the default language in terms of telling people how you're doing. Yeah, that's interesting. And so there is an addiction to that. Yeah, because Joe and I, we actually, we took the month of December off. And as exciting as that sounds, there was some anxiety and me almost like looking for problems or looking for stuff to create. And I had to be like, no, 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 Sarah, like back down. And it's funny when we get on this hamster wheel of life and how normal it just feels to be so overcapacitated and, you know, committing to so many things. And mm-hmm. I think that that's where almost that addiction comes into is we feel bored or anxious. So we must fill that time. I agree with you. And, you know, I think as business owners, there is an adrenaline that comes with the success that we feel, whether they're small successes or they're big successes, there's this an adrenaline. And there was a time where I was completely addicted to that adrenaline, like so much so that I was actually dependent on it to get through my day. So then I was mm-hmm. trying to find this adrenaline through different sources. Like I was listening to this high energy music first thing in the morning and then in the afternoon to get me through my day. So it would like be really like high, fast paced beat. I can't remember the beats per minute, but honestly, it was becoming my source of life. It was like my breath. And, you know, I go back to that only because the adrenaline piece is part of what we do, right? There's this excitement. Like there's this thing that like, look what we're doing. Look what we've created. Look at how we're changing the world. And if we don't keep that in check, it can definitely get the best of us. Yeah, I've definitely been guilty of that as well. I started in the competitive fitness world. So it was blocks of three or four months of all out training, nutrition, cardio, like high, high, high performance. And then I would retreat for a few months of off season. And I took that same philosophy into my business as well, going full on, like barely sleeping, like ignoring my nutrition and just like all out in business and then burnt out completely. Do you have any tips for avoiding burnout with taking your your framework into place? Yes. So... There's four states of capacity that I've identified and that ego cake framework can help at any point. But the four states of capacity, they're not, it's not a personality style. It's not a profile by any means. It's just a state that you can be in at any given point. And there's always ways to optimize your capacity. And before I introduce it, I want people to think about this as a precursor to high performance. Mm. And what I mean by that is you can't perform at high levels if you don't have your capacity in check. You can't start adding on extra things to your plate if you're already over capacity. You cannot 
perform. So I think we forget about that. It's like we all, we're always looking to like be better, do more. How can we make more? But we forget about the fact that our capacity, you know, there's a spectrum and there's only so much. And if we overstretch our capacity, there's an issue there. So I'll talk a little bit more about that if you'd like right now to your, with your listeners. Absolutely. Uh, and I love the study of high performance. It's something that um, I've been studying and following and integrating into my life for about four or five years now. And I did exactly the opposite of what you said there. I would just add more onto my plate and then it would create more burnout. And definitely been mindful the past year, year and a half of creating more space before I can perform better. And it's absolutely helped. So please dive into that. Yeah, for sure. It's all about in the beginning of our careers, in the beginning of our startups, if you will, our businesses, it's really about what can I do quickly and what is it that I can do to establish my tribe? What can I do to scale? Like We have so many things we want to do and so many options. So we're going to call this state indulgent. So this is where the addiction to the adrenaline, high energy, high paced, a lot of goals, ready to go, right? So we're saying yes to a lot of things. And in the indulgent state of capacity, it's really where we actually start to become overcommitted. Deadlines are missed. We're probably not performing or providing the service that we intended to provide because we're trying to just please and get everything done. But it's almost impossible at this point. So that's really what the work needs to be done is how do you draw yourself back in? How do you pull that back in? If we don't take care of that, we then start to spiral down into fatigued capacity. And this is burnout. This is essentially where we have no more capacity and there's no opportunities to leverage at this point because we're done. <laughs> it's like if you got out, we've just, it's like a night of drinking or overeating and you're just hungover. You, you need recovery. Like you cannot function anymore. So we've, we've overindulged and now we're fatigued and now we're in a burnout stage. So recovery is needed. You have to, to sit a couple things out and it sucks because business owners don't like to sit things out. Business owners have things to do, have people to serve and have goals to reach. So it's not a place you want to spend a lot of time in. So there's some exercises here that can help people recover. If you move on to the third state of capacity, it's reserved. So this is where people will reemerge after the burnout, after really um, getting into that state of overcommitment. But the cool thing about reserved is that there's one of two things that can happen. The first one is you're in recovery mode and you're very protective of your capacity because you never want to go back to fatigue ever. Like that place was horrible. So you're really protective and you're not really taking advantage of a lot of opportunity. Or the second thing is that we have a whole bunch of people out there that are so under leveraged. They have so much capacity, but they're actually not sharing anything with the world or they're sharing very little with the world. And we can unpack that all day long. There's a lot of reasons why that is, but these are the two types of people that would sit in reserved capacity. So we have to figure out how do we optimize and how do we get them to the fourth level or the fourth state of capacity, which is maximized. When you're maximized, Sarah, like we can all attest to this. We are in a zone. We are saying yes with discernment. We're saying no without guilt. We have our priorities set. We're knocking out of the park. We're feeling good. We're taking care of ourselves. Like This is where things are humming along. This is where you're feeling fantastic. So the maximize piece is really where you want to spend most of your time, quite frankly, but it takes discipline. 
and it takes managing the capacity properly. Mm. Do you believe that people can stay in maximum capacity all the time? No. I don't. I think that in order to be maximized, you have to feel the others. You have to understand what it's like to overindulge and then course correct. That's like saying like, do you sleep eight hours every single night and have a perfect restful sleep? No, you don't. There are things that will interrupt that. But you can quickly... I think it's not about staying and maximize. It's about how quickly you can actually course correct and get back to maximize. How quickly can you ward off some of those distractions and avoid going right down into fatigued and really put those measures in place to stay and maximized. Mm, that's interesting because I definitely, and I think everyone listening here can see the shifts that go through in their own life and business. And there are definitely times when I know I am maximum capacity. I want to like talk to everybody and do everything. And I'm so creative and it just feels like I'm handling everything so awesome. And then you can always feel the shift yeah. down a little bit. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Let's get back. Yeah, so good. I'm glad that it's okay that I don't stay there all the time. I've definitely even noticed for myself in the past year and a half that I can shift back quickly a lot faster. So it just takes that awareness, right? You got it, which is the fourth layer. You know exactly what to resign from in order to create the awareness to get yourself back into maximized. Yeah. So I love the way you said that too, because we know viscerally there is something that happens to us when we're sliding into indulgent, when we have taken on too much and we're like, shit, I've just committed to something and I really shouldn't have. It's not aligned with my goals. I did it, maybe the people please, or I did it because I thought of a quick return. How do you course correct quickly? How do you go back on that, right? So that's where some of these tools will help people be aware and then course correct. Mm, Amazing. Oh, I love this talk. This is so, so, so great. I want to be mindful of your time and I'm so looking forward. We're going to have you come in to talk to our mastermind group. And I think that this is information that entrepreneurs and business owners need because this helps you perform better in your business. And far too often, I think we're thinking about obviously all those, you know, we need to market and we need to serve our clients and we need to do more outreach and and all those business tasks. But if we're not taking care of ourselves, then we can't be 100% there for the people that we want to serve or the people that we want to attract in. So this is high performance of what you teach, right? I guess you don't really call it that, but that's essentially what it leads into. It does. It's, it's a precursor. I mean, like there's so much focus on high performance, like you said, and I love everything's out there. Like Brendan Burchard stuff oh, is out there and like he's killing it in his book, right? Like he's got a great structure. And But before you can get there, I really think it's about taking care of and being aware of your capacity. Like we don't, we measure everything else, right? Sarah, we measure our weight, we measure our calories, we measure our water intake, we measure our sleep, our bank accounts, everything. But we don't measure or take time to really deconstruct what is it that I'm committing to? What does my capacity allow me to? What am I wanting to do that I'm not doing enough of? We just don't take enough time to do that. So that's what really inspired me to just say like, let's make this easy for people. Like easy just to think about. Obviously implementation execution is always the hardest, but let's just make it easier for people to just digest and and understand. Mm, absolutely. So if people want to find out more about who Melanie is, you know, go binge on you. <laughs> Where can we find you? I know you have a podcast. <laughs> you have a podcast of your own, right? I do, which you are going to be on very, Yay. very soon. So we're going to have, I can't wait to have you on. My listeners are going to absolutely adore you. So yeah, so the podcast is 
Capacity Creator. So you can find that on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can come visit me at capacitycreator.com. Shoot me an email, melanie at capacitycreator.com. I mean, there's so, yeah, there's so many ways you just type in Capacity Creator and, and you'll find me. And I'd love to connect with any listeners that maybe want to take the assessment. I have a three minute quick free assessment on the website that you can take and we can connect from there as well. Yeah. Amazing. Awesome. So I finish every episode with one question. Since this is the fulfillment project, what does fulfillment mean to you? Fulfillment means to me really honoring the top three roles in my life. I am fulfilled when I am achieving the goals that my husband and I have set out together. I am fulfilled when I am connecting and really parenting my children in a way that's nurturing in the way that I know is filling their souls. I am fulfilled when I honor my business goals and I do that with intention. Mm, I love that. It's like the beautiful balancing act of everything in life. Yeah, it is. It's not easy that almost sound rehearsed, but it's actually one of the uh, tools or, or frameworks that I use with Ego Cake and the Four States of Capacity. Mm, amazing. Thank you so much, Melanie, for being on the show. And I'm so excited to connect with you on your podcast and introduce you to my students as well. Yes. Thank you, Sarah. You are a beautiful soul and you and Joe are changing the world. And I'm very, very grateful that our paths have crossed. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Honestly, shows and podcasts like this are not possible without you. So I have so much gratitude for my listeners. You freaking rock. If you want to find me over on Instagram, I am sarah.fennel. Tag me in a post. Let me know what your favorite episode is. Hit me up with a DM. I will always write you back. Shows like this are not possible without ratings and reviews. So if you feel so moved, please write me an honest comment, an honest review, and let us know what you think of the show. 